You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. All right, cool. Well, hey Jude, I wonder have you had a time when you've been fooled by a good fake? Fooled by a good fake. Now, Lysandra and I, we put up our Christmas tree. It's weird to talk about Christmas. You know, we're past that. But we put up our Christmas tree in our bay window in our house. And we thought to ourselves, what will we do when the Christmas tree goes? The space will be empty, but we've got to fill it with something. So we had this crazy idea. We thought, what if one day we could get a baby grand piano to fill the space? Everybody say, ooh, like a throwaway comment that excited us. Baby grand piano, Lysandre's musical, I'm not, but you know, I can learn. It looks cool, great. We can teach the little one. And so we said this, and two weeks later, would you believe that our church account for our emails got an email with somebody giving away a baby grand piano? This is the email. I'll read it out. As we email this person back, we couldn't believe it. She said to us, thanks for your response. The baby grand piano was used by my husband who passed away last year. Dimensions, the piano's two years old and in impeccable condition. Baby grand pianos are worth 10 grand. There is no chance that's gonna fit within our budget. So we're like, the Lord is blessing. Uh, She's moving properties and I don't think my late husband would be happy if I sold this piano. We're like, wow, read more. I wasn't gonna leave it alone in an empty house. It's currently in storage with the movers I've employed to move my, my properties from my house. The movers can deliver anywhere, sent photos of the piano. We were like, the Lord has blessed us. Couldn't believe it. We told some of our friends, we're like, wow, we're kicking off the year. You know, this wasn't the year of blessing for us, but look what the Lord has done. We, you know, give, we trust God and he's given us a baby grand piano. Couldn't believe it. And then, we contacted said removal company, Lysandre called them, gave them the reference for said baby grand piano, and they said, we don't have anything like that. In fact, we are freight forwarders. We don't hold anything like that in any of our sites. So we're a little bit confused. And then we find out that the site that is really this company is some dodgy site with loads of random text. And we think, oh no, maybe we've missed something. Maybe it is the real company, but this lady's confused. So anyway, we look up online. We take the photos of the piano, do a reverse Google search, and bam, all over the internet, piano scam, avoid scam. That same email text was all over the internet for everybody to see. And then we get the quote through from the removal company to pay $1,500, dollars for the privilege. Have you ever had a time? We didn't pay it, didn't fall for it, but we were close. Hey, let me tell you what, 
The enemy intends for evil, God will intend for good. It's funny how the enemy takes the desires God places in your heart and tries to turn them against you. Crazy, isn't it? It happens in the book of Esther where gallows were set up to kill Uncle Mordecai. But what happens is God turns the gallows on him and the enemy's head. So what we're believing for and sharing this story is it loses its power and we're gonna see what the enemy meant for evil, God doing for good in our lives. Encouraging for you out there if you fell for a fake or a good old scam. Some are not so obvious, but some are totally obvious. Got some photos coming up on the screen. We've got on the top left, as you can see it, we've got the North Fake. (laughs) The North Fake. Can't see it from far, but if you look closely, the North Fake. We've got the beauty brand you will all know, Dave. And then, of course, we have none other than Sunbucks Coffee. The mermaid's had a bad day, hasn't she? Right there in the middle. Some not so obvious, but some obvious. But what do you do when the fake is subtle and you don't quite notice it? You can't really see it. We can find ourselves sooner or later becoming scammed and deceived by half-truths. Good advice that later turns out to be bad advice. Poor company in your life that later turns into bad character in your world. Religious opinions, ideas, philosophy that do nothing other than leave you empty on the inside. Perhaps it's the next new cryptocurrency that started that you invest your money in only to lose it 10 minutes later. The Bible says this in the book of Jude, verse three. It says, dear friends, Although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith, audacious church, that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Jude right now was written by Jesus' half-brother, Judas. Why is his name Jude if his name is Judas? Well, I think you too would change your name if somebody quite familiar called Judas was on the scene. Jude, it's written approximately this time scale, 60 to 70 AD, around about 25 to 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Catch this. As the leaders of the church, they find themselves in this predicament wrestling with people who are trying to change the beliefs of the church to suit themselves. Sound familiar? And we live in a world right now where our faith is under intense pressure to conform to the world around us. In other words, the pressure is on us to settle for the fake. Not living in the truth, but settling for the fake. This is nothing new. Jude was written 2,000 years ago, finding themselves as church leaders in the exact same environment that we find ourselves in today. And the danger for us, church, is that if we don't contend for the word, we will conform to the world. Jude writes in verse three, contend for the faith. So today in this intersection between culture and the church, And the word of God, we find ourselves pulled back and forward, toing and throwing in the midst of society, culture, and popular opinion, unsure what to do. 
But I want to suggest today for you, Audacious Church, from the youngest to the oldest, each one of us has to stick to the Word. Stick to the Word. I'm going to give you three things really quickly on who we are and why we stick to the Word. The first one is this, is that we are people of the book. We are people of the book. In the early 1500s, the reality was that only the extremely wealthy and the priests had access to the written word of God. In other words, everything was translated to them. The ordinary person who couldn't read and didn't have access to the written word of God as we do today was pretty much under a guise of whatever the church leaders of the time or the wealthy in society wanted to interpret to them from the word of God. But then what happened with the printing press is what was once far from reach for the ordinary person, they got to have it in their laps, they learned to read, and they realized that God was much more loving, caring, forgiving, graceful, and for them than they had ever realized. William Tyndale, he was responsible for producing the New Testament in the English language and in 1536 was executed by strangulation and burning at the stake. And right now, 2024, the Bible is banned, illegal, or severely restricted in 52 countries in the world. That's just over 25% of countries in the world you would get punished for having a copy of the Bible translated into 2,200 different languages. It's the most smuggled book, the most stolen book. Most people have lost their lives for this book. There is one sold every second of every minute in the last two years. It's the only book that when I read it, it reads me. And when you put the Bible, the Word of God, into the hands of ordinary people like you and I, the kingdom of God comes in power. The kingdom of God is ushered in. People are healed, set free, touched, marked, transformed, and changed because of the power of what is in this book, the very words of God. Jude 17 to 19 says this, but dear friends, Remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, what's my theology on the end times? We've never been closer. That's it. In a sentence. Tick that box. We've never been closer. There will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. This looks like what I've just mentioned, the oppression and the suppression of the word of God. These are people who divide you who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. I love what the Puritan writer Thomas Brooks says. He says, the word of the Lord is a light to guide you, a counselor to comfort you, a staff to support you, a sword to defend you, a physician to cure you. The word of God is a mind to enrich you, a robe to clothe you, a crown to crown you. Why is this book a priority? Because you're 
Context without the text is just a con. So you need the Word of God in every area and avenue of your life because you cannot live a life on fire without the Word of God. You cannot fulfill all of the destinies, promises, good things that He has for you without living in alignment to the Word of God. You can't step out into everything that God has ordained, destined, designed, and promised for your life absent from the Word of God. We are people of the book. Like it or lump it, we are people of the book. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of the Lord is living and active. It's got a heartbeat, boom, 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 boom. Sharper, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing through the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It can cut through Breakthrough, set free, divide, conquer the power in the word of God. But be careful when handling the word of God because it's sharp. The word of God can build up, used without the right pretext, context, or intention. It has and it can ruin people's lives. So when we're using the word of God, We've got to be careful where we swing that sword because it can take people out. That is the power of the Word of God. That's why we've got to be people who don't just have secondhand revelation from the preacher on a Sunday, but each one of us has to have our own revelation daily with the Word of God. We are people of the book. So in the intersection of society and the church, stick to the Word. The second thing is we are people of the truth. We are people of the truth. Johnny, at Jesus speaking, says in verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my what? If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But in society today, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth has been substituted and swapped with your truth, my truth, and their truth. It reminds me of what happens in the book of Judges, verse 25 of chapter 21. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone did as they saw fit. Perfectly describes society in 2024. Everybody does as they see fit. And to challenge their beliefs is a confrontation to their personhood. We live in a time where the once unassailable truths that were fixed are now under attack because people should have their own freedom. Except the Bible teaches us that the truth shall set you free. The myth doesn't set you free. Philosophy doesn't set you free. Crystals doesn't set you free. Religion doesn't set you free. Only the Word of God will set you free. Jesus says in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the truth is about the book and what the book says, but the truth is a person. So we're not just, although we are relying on the words of God, the power that comes from the mouth of the Lord, the truth is in a person that we've got to lean to, cling to, hold to, stick to, whether we're maligned, persecuted, 
obstructed, whether Goliath comes up against us and tells us if we don't bow to the idols of society, we'll be put to death. We stick to the Word of God because it is the truth and the truth will set you free in Jesus' name. Your truth doesn't set you free. You might think it does, it's empty. The truth sets you free. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing what? By hearing the word of God. It is this faith that saves people. It is this faith that sets free. It's this faith that we cling to. It's this faith that provides a way out when it seems impossible. It's this faith that has gone before us. It's this faith that makes a way. It's this faith that will guard you, shield you, protect you, lead you. This faith, it's always been the Word of God. But even in the beginning, where the devil attacks the Word of God, even the devil can quote Scripture He did it when Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the desert. The devil's able to quote scripture back to Jesus. I bet the devil's quoting some scripture to you. Bet he sends some things in your life that is totally out of context and is not true because what he does is twists and he's a liar. So what I love is Jesus comes and speaks the truth. And right in the beginning in the garden, we've got the devil who says to Eve, says, did God really say? The word was spoken to Adam, do not eat from the forbidden tree in the garden of Eden. Don't eat its fruit. One instruction. He received from the word of God, the voice of God. Incredible moment walking in the garden. But Eve hears it secondhand through Adam. So when the devil comes knocking and her life knocking on the door, she hasn't had her own revelation of the word of God. She's heard it secondhand. He says, did God really say? And so all of the sin the fallenness of humanity that we don't have time to tap into today came as a result of somebody not abiding in the word of God and trying to hear it secondhand through secondhand revelation. That's why you've got to be in the word. That's why you've got to be close to the word of God. What do you do when the devil comes knocking? James 4 verse 7, word of God says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Church, we are people of the truth. So stick to the book. Even the phone has given me an amen. Come on. Come on. We are people of the truth. So stick to the word. Last thing. We are people. Oh, this is a tongue twister. We are people of historic orthodoxy. Everybody say, ooh. The Greek word... Orthodoxia, translated, means sound doctrine. So we are people of sound doctrine. Our church is new school, yet it's old school. Well, what does that mean? We're new school, yet we're old school. New school in our methods, but old school in our message. New school in our presentation, old school in what we believe. It's like this, it's like my Bible. I love my Bible, but it's pretty boring, right? It's just got one color. That's it. It's the Word of God, one color on the outside. Then we've got this Bible, the Authentic Youth Bible. Oh, come on. It's got some color, design. It's purple. It's got loads of text written all over it. 
funky images, pictures, you name it. The message in both is exactly the same, but the presentation is different. So as a church, we're new school in our presentation, but we're old school in our belief. The cover does not change what's on the inside. It just packages it in a certain way. So when we're asked all the time, what are your beliefs as a church on X, Y, Z? We're conservative as a church in our beliefs. Let me read you our statement of faith. We hold an orthodox, conservative view of Scripture in that we believe that the Bible, this is the Old and New Testament, excluding the Apocrypha, is the inspired Word of God, the infallible, all-sufficient rule for faith and practice. So when something comes against us as an affront to the Word of God, what do we do? We stick to the Word. Even when society disagrees with us or it looks like we're on the wrong side of public opinion, even when we are ridiculed, ostracized, marginalized, persecuted, unpopular, left out, cast aside, cast asunder, we stick to the Word because we are people of sound doctrine. Oh, I feel like I'm back in Bible college. But to have that assurance, It's all good and well. To have this assurance in your life, you need to know the Word. Beyond just reading what it says on the page, you've got to do a deep dive. I'm going to give you a tool today. It's coming up on the screens, I think, a book, incredible resource. I read it in Bible college. It's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee. It's going to teach you two things really well that I think in this day and age, you all need to do a little bit of work for. You need to a little bit of mining, let's say, because it's gonna really help you in the context of shifting sands of society and popular opinion. It's gonna help you do an exegesis. What's that? Discovering the original intended meaning of a particular text and why. And then you don't leave it just at that. You do some hermeneutics. Everybody say hermeneutics. Hermeneutics in an Irish accent. Finding the contemporary relevance of ancient texts asking the questions about what about here what about now church I need you to do a deep dive we're on the front line each one of us has to be equipped prepared and ready to stick to the word we are people of historic orthodoxy James Jones get that tattooed on your leg with all of the other church tattoos stick to the word so where do we go from here gotta get the word in you So that when society comes against you, when controversy comes your way, when the devil tries to condemn you, when you're unsure about which way to go, you're not scrambling for ideas, you're not unsure about where you stand, you're not going along with the crowd and pulled aside and pulled asunder because you know the Word of God. So when the devil comes knocking, trying to condemn you for your past, all you can say, Romans 8 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life was set aside by the laws of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by sinful nature. God did by sending His own Son in sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So condemned sin and sinful man. 
When you come up against a struggle, you know Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. For a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, when the day of evil comes, be ready to take your stand. After you've done everything to stand, put on the full armour of God. When you're unsure about the goodness of God, you know Ephesians 3.20, now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can think, ask, or even imagine according to His power that is at work within us. When you're in need in your finances, you know Philippians 4.19, for my God will meet all of your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know about the Word of God in Psalms 119, 110, for the Word of God is a lamp onto my feet and a light onto my path. James 4 verse 8, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Genesis 1:27. God created human beings. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Revelation 22 verse 21, the Lord Jesus is coming back. Come quickly, amen. So when you know the Word of God in your heart, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws your way because you stick to the Word. If God is for you, who can be against you? David writes, I once was young, but now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaking or their children begging bread. They are generous and lend freely and their children will be a blessing. Store it up in the tablet of your heart. It's good to have it on the tablet of your iPad. But if it's not in you, it won't change you. Proverbs, the Bible says, at the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. So whatever anybody says in your world, however the reactions or the responses, it's an overflow of what is happening in the heart. But if the Word of God is not transforming you in the secret place, what comes out of your mouth will be terrible. You'll prophesy doom in your world. You'll speak negatively. You'll bring people down. And then what happens is you think you know the Word of God because you've heard it through secondhand revelation. You'll start quoting it out of context. And instead of building people up, we'll be shutting people down. Church, we've got to be people of the Word. Who knows how far away we are from this thing, being banned in our schools, being banned in our workplaces, being banned in society. It might never happen. I hope it doesn't. But our brothers and sisters around the world who are meeting underground, who are persecuted, ridiculed, maligned, ostracized for this Word of God. They give everything for the Word. And so I think we have a duty, not just to the Lord, not just to ourselves, but to our brothers and sisters worldwide, that where we have an easy access to the Word of God, surely we should be stronger. Surely we should be sharper. Surely we should be better equipped in our marketplaces and in society. You guys are doing a class job. But I think to cross this intersection that we're in right now, we've got to be people who stick to the Word. Stick to the Word. The challenge this week, do some homework. Do some study. Get the Word that's on the pages into your heart. Start somewhere, a verse a day, chapter a day. Meditate on it. The Bible says this in Psalms, in Joshua actually, 1 verse 8. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will what? Then you will be prosperous and successful. You need to get the book in you. 
2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Church, you've got to wrestle with scripture. Wrestle with the word of God. Right across this place, bow your heads, close your eyes. Just allow the Lord to speak to you in this moment. Father, we thank you for your written word. God, that you sent your son who came, lived an incredible life for us so we could be free, chosen, forgiven, and redeemed. And Lord, where we've not held your word in honor and in the esteem that it is deserving of, where we've allowed it to gather dust on the shelf of our hearts, Father, we break off that curse right now in Jesus' name. We break off the lethargy. We break off the bad habits. We break off even our own interpretations of what your word says that aren't true. And Lord, we pray as a corporate body in church, we commit ourselves to the word of God. We commit ourselves to the journey of the word of God. God, Father, illuminate your word to us. I pray right now for you, whatever situation you're in that you're unsure about, I pray the Lord would just highlight a word in his book to you, a passage of scripture that would remind you, would encourage you, would lift you up. And as you go digging this week, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us an illumination of the gold mine of the treasure of your word, that God, each one of us would be sharper, better, stronger, more encouraged, more able people to correctly handle the truth of the word of God. And as we bring it into society, we thank you, the Bible says, at the preaching of the word, signs and wonders follow. So as we go into our workplace, Father, we pray for signs and wonders following us wherever we go. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Speak that over the church right now. Whatever you're stepping into that you feel unsure about, worried about, not confident about, pray that you would know goodness and mercy all the days of your life. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 